Eid Mubarak, everyone. A belated Eid Mubarak to all of our Abuan Chronicles podcast listeners. Thank you so much for supporting us and tuning in for our episodes regularly. We truly do appreciate it. I'm just taking this moment to remind all of you that our season is almost over. We're not there yet, but we're almost there for the season. And if you want to continue supporting the Abuan Chronicles podcast, head over to our website, www.abuanchronicles.com forward slash shop to get a hold of some of our merch. We still have a few hoodies up, stickers, totes, pins. Just, you know, get them while you can <laughs> because we're not too sure if we're going to be stocking up on them anytime soon. So once again, that's abuanchronicles.com forward slash shop. Get yourself an item and back to the episode. Welcome to the Abwan Chronicles podcast. This podcast is hosted by five black Muslim women, Hafsa, Ikran, Istahir, Sahra, and Umar Khair. This is Ikran, your part-time hype girl and full-time resident of Toronto, the city of champions. Join us every month as we talk about our personal experiences, pop culture, identity, and politics. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Abuan Chronicles podcast. Um, it's your girl Hafsa and Ikran here with me hosting along. And we have a special guest today. Um, you may know her. You know, she doesn't really need much introduction, but you may know her as a beauty and lifestyle content creator, influencer, YouTuber, aspiring TikToker. We got with us today Aisha Harun. Hey, girl. How you doing? Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Girl, we are excited to have you. High key fangirling. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Let's let's chat. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god. But yeah, why don't we start off before we like delve deep into what we're chatting about today? Why don't we start off by you introducing yourself a bit, telling us a bit of who you are, what you do, how you got into it. I'm sure everybody knows because I'm sure everybody follows as avidly as we do, but go ahead, girl. Well, just in case people don't, uh, my name is Aisha Harun. I am a beauty and lifestyle content creator on YouTube, Instagram, like you mentioned, aspiring TikToker, so I'm on there as well. Um, but I guess I'd say like I'm a social media person so you can kind of find me anywhere online and um, I'm originally from Canada but I'm currently living in Los Angeles California really enjoying the sunny weather um, and I started my channel in 2011 I was 16 years old so we're coming on 10 years this year inshallah and um, so I started in the beauty space uh, making beauty tutorials how to's fashion videos and over the years, it kind of has just expanded into more of a lifestyle channel. Um, I believe I was one of the first, if not the first, um, black Muslim woman slash hijabi on YouTube at the time. So I kind of grew up on the internet and created a space and a place of representation that I never felt like I got growing up. So now, almost 10 years later, I'm doing this full time. I've been doing this for four years full time now, and um, I'm loving it. Wow. That's so amazing. You know, I listened to the podcast that you did recently, mm -hmm. the, um, I'm forgetting the name, Muslims Doing Things. Yes. And that's where I, I didn't realize you've been doing it for almost 10 years. And I actually <laughs> went to your channel to see the first video. And you were so small. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I did see like, it said 2011. And you said like one of the first videos was, you know, like back to school and you're in grade 11. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I don't even remember what I was doing in grade 11. <laughs> but that's so cute that you've kind of, you know, started off so long ago and you've kind of persisted and stayed on 
that path for the past 10 years. Yeah. And you know what? There's actually a couple more videos that I've put on private. So my first actual video isn't public anymore. I think eventually, maybe on my 10th year anniversary, I'll make them all public. Below key, very embarrassing. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I have privated those. But yeah, I mean, I was doing this for so long. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that because they see the content that they see now. But I just started as your average girl, Scarborough, Ontario, in high school, like just, I don't know, doing beauty because I just really enjoyed watching beauty videos and never really saw myself represented. So I was like, you know what, let me try this out myself. That's so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I distinctly recall, like, I remember like 100% you and um, Chai Nute and like that whole gang. You guys were like the first few. And the reason why I remember is like, I still remember like the first few videos I was watching on YouTube, like 09, 2010, like Nora Leila Love and like Dina Tokyo and all those girls. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. And then I saw you come on. I'm like, oh my God, it's so adorable. And like, we're all kind of like growing together. Don't get me wrong. I was in university back then, so I am older, but I was still having the time of my life. I loved it. And I think the reason why I love it so much is because I see how you guys have grown so much. And I see that like you guys actually dedicated so much energy, so much time, so much effort. Like I recall like, you know, little slips in like your videos about conversations you've had with family and friends getting around, you know, uh, discussions about whether YouTube's going to be full time, whether it's not going to be full time, whether you're going to do something else, whether we're going to do this. And just like watching that whole like journey and then like having right now seeing the success and then reflecting back and like not only just reflecting on how you guys have done so well, but how like so many of us who grew grew up like watching you guys, like all of us like growing together, subhanAllah, and seeing where we've come now and where, where we're at now. It's so it's nice that you guys actually have that physical, tangible evidence of where you were then versus where you are now. Mashallah. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially a storybook of my life. Like you can see me in high school trying to figure out what I wanted to do for university, graduating high school, going to prom, like my first couple years in university. Like you can really see my entire life progress, both the successes, the failures, kind of everything. And I've really kept it very authentic in that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that you know, five, 10 years from now, when I have children, they're going to be able to watch their mother being raised on the internet. Like, <laughs> it's kind of amazing to think about. How does that feel? Like your life is kind of an open book, in a sense, I wouldn't say obviously that people know about you just because of the content you put online, but you do put a substantial amount of your life on the internet. And how does that feel that, you know, it's kind of an open book, and it's really cute that you can go back to old videos. Um, but how does it feel that other people can also go back and see those videos anytime. I mean, honestly, I was raised on the internet. I feel like, you know, I was born in 95. So I feel like there was definitely the shift between going digital with everything. And I just, it's, it's not um, something that I really had to think about because I started so long ago. It's almost just natural for me to want to share my life on the internet, which I know some people, especially nowadays are like, that seems insane. Um, but I think like, Grow The way that I think about it, when I was young, when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, I would have loved to be able to see myself represented on YouTube. Like, I would have loved to watch someone who looked like me because I never got that anywhere. So that's the kind of way that I think about it. I think more on the impact sense and the the way that I may be able to inspire women who feel like they never feel represented online. So I don't think of the negatives of sharing your life, although there are absolutely negatives. There are some scary bits of it. 
it can be very overwhelming, but I like to mainly just focus on the positives of it. And there are definitely a lot more positives. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think um, Liki Kran kind of touched on the f- kind of what we wanted to talk a bit more about on this episode specifically was to do with being vulnerable on the internet and like having so much of your life exposed and deciding to share intimate moments, intimate things, intimate musings or thoughts out there. And, you know, I think all of us go through that. I was telling Kron earlier, we kind of all go through that. If you have a Twitter account, if you have Instagram, if you have social media of any kind, if you're writing like a friggin' blog post on <laughs> on Facebook, people know what's going on inside of you. They get kind of a, a snapshot or a glimpse as to what's going on behind those eyes. And the only difference here is that you have a, a bigger platform, whereas some of us may have a few hundred or a couple of thousand, you have hundreds of thousands of people seeing all of that, right? So I think one of the things that we really wanted to ask and kind of wanted to get a better grasp on is how do you put, as much as you do share, like how do you, how do you put boundaries? How do you set boundaries to, you know, kind of protect yourself and, you know, keep some kind of semblance of privacy for, your, for yourself despite having a loyal audience? I will say it's been a journey trying to figure out, first of all, what boundaries are, because I was only 16 years old when I first started. So the concept of boundaries was just not even there. Um, and I think over time, I just started to realize, okay, there's more people watching me. Maybe they don't need to really see every aspect of my life. But it's definitely when it comes to, you know, friends and family, for example, and uh, my choice on like sharing my family and vlogs and stuff like that. Um, it's just an open conversation that I like to have with them. If there are certain people who don't feel comfortable with that, they will make that known. And I will just make sure I respect that boundary as well. Um, I haven't run into too many issues with my family. Thankfully, they love being on camera. My mom's obviously a little shy, but she really supports what I do. So she loves, you know, being able to share our relationship online as well. Um, but I think when it comes to boundaries in terms of like what I'm going to share, I've definitely, I feel like even over the last two years have really sat down with myself to really understand what that looks like. And especially with, you know, sharing, um, you know, my marriage that I was in and then the divorce, um, that was a real conversation where I had to sit down and I'm like, okay, moving forward, what, what do I really want to share, um, in order to maintain my authenticity and, you know, be relatable with people. I obviously want to share kind of like the hardships and stuff that I've went through, but I also want to make sure that I'm not doing a disservice to myself and allowing people the energy and allowing people the platform to really share their thoughts on my life. Um, and it was just, you know, I took some time off to just really understand what that meant um, and what boundaries I wanted to place. And in the end, I mean, I think I realized I really personally enjoy sharing the vulnerable moments of my life with the internet. I think it it's really helpful for me. And I think it's really shaped the person that I am today being vulnerable on the internet. And I don't regret any of the decisions that I've made with that. Um, but it's just a matter of like, okay, you can share bits of it. You don't need to share the entire story. At the end of the day, people are seeing maybe like a 30 minute video of my life, a 30 minute video of hours and hours and days of my life. So they're only really seeing a small snippet and I can be the controller and be the person who is able to share what I want people to see and what I don't want people to see. But um, like I said, at the end of the day, I would like to maintain a sense of authenticity when people are watching my content so they feel like they can relate to me. 
And I think that's there. Like, because you're vulnerable, it feels more relatable. Like, you can kind of feel what you're feeling. And a lot of people, you know, are probably going through the same things you're going through. And to be able to hear someone talk about their experiences so openly and be so self-aware and address the things that they go through, I think it is refreshing as someone who's watching these videos. And I oftentimes, like, you know, I, I love reading comments. I'll go through the comments and everyone's kind of saying the same thing. Like, we love how vulnerable you are. Like, I, I think you're doing a great job as kind of um, figuring out what's what parts you want to share. But I think the parts that you are sharing are really hitting home for a lot of people. And I think vulnerability is a beautiful thing. Um, I don't know if you guys have listened to Brene Brown. She talks about the power in vulnerability and it talks about how important it is to be vulnerable. And, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with being vulnerable. Like a lot of us are not honest with ourselves, let alone other people. Perhaps I see you. So it's like, it's really like, it's really refreshing to kind of see you be vulnerable with yourself and with people. And it kind of, I think, inspires at least me, like in a way to kind of be more honest with myself. Thank you so much. It's great that you bring up Brene Brown because that was actually a topic. Um, I personally wasn't familiar with her before I went to therapy. And my therapist was the one who actually brought that up. And she made me watch a couple videos and read um, some articles on Brene Brown. And I feel like that really encouraged me to maintain that vulnerability on my channel, especially through the hardship that I was going through. And I truly think like she always says, like, I think, what's the word she says? Um, I'm forgetting exactly what she said, but she's like, fear... Something is on the other side of vulnerability. I forget the exact quote. I think it's a shame and fear. I don't know. She said a lot, but she said a she, lot of good stuff. Yeah, she, she really does. She says she says some things that, that make yeah. a lot of points. But literally, <laughs> but it was that conversation. Yeah, it was that conversation yeah. that I had with my therapist that made me realize. Like, I feel like the reason why people connect with my content and have been connecting with my content for ten years because it's not easy to maintain an audience for ten years and maintain their. Um, like attention, especially on the internet, people lose attention like that. And I think it is the way that I've been able to authentically just be vulnerable with my audience. And it's not even something I really think about. It's just kind of like who I've become on the internet. And I'm really proud yeah. of that. <laughs> All of us, maybe in ways demonstrate that differently like I know I like obviously my my follower account is not as great as yours but I think like Twitter I'm always tweeting things that I think kind of do make me vulnerable but it's I don't realize that I'm t like I, I genuinely convince myself that I'm tweeting into a void and then people in real life will be like oh like what happened or things like that anytime people actually come to me and like talk to me about things that I say online I'm like whoa like I need to stop putting my life out there because why do you know so much about me but it's because I literally tweet my every single thought and I don't know how good that is for me when I think I need to reevaluate how I express myself online but yeah you yeah. just talking about that made me think of literally how much I tweet no but I think that vulnerability is the best way to build connections in your life like real raw authentic connections with people whether that's on the internet or whether that's in real life like I feel like the best friendships that are ha that I have are the ones that we pour our feelings out to each other and we are vulnerable and we're not afraid to kind of share our feelings and I feel like those are the strongest relationships you have so when you're looking at that in terms of an audience that you're trying to build online the best content creators I follow are the ones that love to share their vulnerability as well. And that's what I connect to the most. So it's kind of like looking at it in that perspective, like vulnerability really is the key to like a strong connection. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really sitting back here and listening to you guys a lot because mm -hmm, I, this struggles for me. <laughs> and that's okay. 
That's okay. I feel like it's a it's a journey. It's a journey that you have to learn. It really is. Yeah. No, I'm I'm more than happy to have like my friends like give me a call. I'm always like, give me a call whenever you need to talk about anything, whenever you need to discuss anything, vent to me, I'll go for it. But for me to then reciprocate and then share is such a struggle for me. And nine times out of ten when I do, people are shook because they're like, Whoa, have said we didn't realize because that's really I I keep so much inside but you know what alhamdulillah we're all growing and we're all developing in that way but i did want to come back to like your youtube channel and how you know you share a lo- so much and you kind of realize that the way that youtube is today i think like a few years ago i say a few more like eight to ten years ago <laughs> on youtube you'd have like beauty gurus and like lifestyle uh folk just coming out and like pumping content like this brand that brand this makeup look that makeup look there wasn't really too much talking there wasn't really too much feelings it wasn't really too much um you know like discussion or whatever it was more of this is the look of the day and this is how you achieve the look this is how you're gonna look like britney spears this is how you're gonna look like michael jackson if you contour this way or that way (laughs) whereas like now people are like yeah you know that instagram we can teach us how to get the look tiktok can teach us how to get to look in a minute but youtube is no longer the place that you go to to just get a look like you have to have something else going on for you whether it's vlogging whether it's um serial killer story time telling whether it's <laughs> whatever it may be yeah so like I, I i love seeing how like things have changed over time for you and how you've kind of like rolled with the ball and like figured out what works for you what works for your audience what does your audience want and how you've really garnered a very loyal audience because like Akron said your comment section are beautiful. Like <laughs> I love, I love your comment section. <laughs> I never see that much positivity anywhere. Yeah. Like I'll see a video, it's you bearing your soul. Um, and then in the comments, everybody's like, yes, we love you so much. Yeah. You're the bestest ever. I'm with you all the way. Yeah. I love that. Mashallah. Like it's, it's phenomenal. Man, I get so emotional reading comments. I feel like people don't realize I actually do read pretty much all the comments on my YouTube channel. And I just get so emotional because it's like people are taking time out of their day watching my content and then taking a step further and commenting something. Some people even share their own stories. And I'm just like so taken back, like especially when I posted my life update and shared that I was um, going through a divorce, like the stories that I was hearing through that, like I feel like that was such a huge part of my healing journey, just reading those and like getting that um support from my community and like I I truly it is a community it's not even like my followers or my fans it's this community that has grown with me over the years so in terms of like your target audience and who they are and kind of like who you cater to I think it's easy to say like I'm I'm someone who anyone can watch or I'm someone who anyone can like you know relate to but who do you who do you think your target audience is and has that changed over time I think it's definitely changed. I feel like in the beginning, as you mentioned, everything was very surface level. I started doing how-to tutorials, how to perfect your eyebrows, how to, I don't know, do a makeup look for a wedding and stuff like that. And it wasn't very much conversational at all. It was just, you use this blending brush and you use this color, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like my follower base at that time was definitely people around my age, maybe a little bit older, um, but definitely women of color, black Muslim women as well. But I would say there wasn't as much engagement back then because there's only so much you can say about a foundation and whatnot. You know, I think over the years I realized 
I personally wasn't feeling fulfilled just doing the same makeup look all the time. Even when I would experiment with different makeup looks, I didn't really enjoy that because I quite honestly wear bronzer in my crease every day. I do my brows the same way every day. I love what I love and I stick to it. So it's like, it just wasn't fulfilling me. So I, I, that's when I tapped more into lifestyle and just sharing more of my life. Um, so now I feel like my target audience, um, definitely still black Muslim women. Um, but what's really interesting, it's surprisingly, it's not a lot of just one particular person. I feel like it's a lot of even non-Muslims that watch my channel. Like, especially during the Ramadan daily, I always get comments from people saying like, oh, I'm Christian or I'm Muslim uh, or I'm not Muslim, but I love watching your videos because it gives me a new taste of Islam. Like it gives me a different perspective. And it's really beautiful to see all that culture. Um, so I think it's definitely shifted over time, but I would say in general, it's, it's young women who are just trying to find their space in life and trying to connect to someone online. And whether that's black Muslim women, Arab Muslim women, just American women, people from the UK, all over the world, it's definitely a global audience, which that's kind of my goal with anything to reach the most amount of people and just inspire people just by living my life. I most of the time watch black Muslim women. Um, that's just kind of, you know, the people that I feel are the most relatable to me. Not to say that anyone else isn't relatable, but for me personally, and I love watching them i love watching like literally your videos like lifestyle like seeing you all live like it feels like that's my life yeah and you can see yourselves in them uh -huh. girl great minds <laughs> literally you see yourself in them like when you're like even like i think it's even the language you use you know you know when you're like reading stuff and you're like mashallah it's just like that's kind of how we talk you know what i mean like you're it's comforting <laughs> yeah it's just that's how we are i know like sometimes you try to explain what it means and it's like really nice but it's like you know we know what it means and that's kind of you know our thing and there i can't remember what it was you were talking about in the red flags video but you were saying like muslim muslim women, women you know and i couldn't remember i can't remember what it was yeah. but i remember like understanding what you were talking about i was i was talking <laughs> about um not pro prolonging an engagement and like yeah in that process yes. and i was trying to explain why and I was just like Muslim women you know and I was like yeah like I do know you don't have to explain it and so like just being able to like relate to like your life experiences as Muslim women as black Muslim women I think is just you know it's comforting to be able like if I'm watching any YouTube videos those are the type that I'm going to like gravi gravitate towards yeah. um, in general, right? Yeah, it's it's funny. Sometimes I have to remind myself. I'm like, wait, people, some people actually aren't Muslim. They have no idea what Alhamdulillah means and all that kind of stuff. So I explained it in a recent video because I was getting comments from people saying like, you know, I love that you are really comfortable and share your religion and your culture, but I have no idea what you're saying half the, like, some, sometimes. So could you explain that? Um, so it's kind of like I have to remind myself sometimes as well. It's, it's basically being unapologetic. I love that because there's even like, because a lot of times you'll read like certain authors or you'll watch, watch certain YouTubers, listen to certain blogs. And you know that like the person who's producing that is kind of putting a bit of a veneer, kind of like pushing themselves down a bit to make themselves palatable for everyone else. And for somebody who's part of that same demographic or background or whatever, it's a little bit like a, a, a little bit of a stab, a little bit, a little bit painful for us to listen, which is why it's so difficult to then engage with that content. Cause like there's this amazing author. Her name is Hafsa Faisal, Hafsa Faisal, something like that. And she writes like, um, fantasy, like fantasy novels, young, um, young adult fantasy novels. 
And it's set in like Arabia and she uses like Arabic words and phrases and like um, Islamic phrases as well, like very naturally. And all she does very simply, she puts the index in the back. If you don't get it, flip back to the index and you'll get the word right there. You know what I mean? But for us to go out of our way to simplify things or to try to dumb ourselves down or make ourselves palatable rather than rather than being unapologetically ourselves as we should be in this world, it's a great thing to watch. And I think that's why Akron is saying it's just so relatable. But in terms of like, you know, because of that huge audience and because, you know, so many people relate and so many younger people relate as well. And I think this is a this is a topic of discussion all the time when it comes to being Muslim and especially Muslim women. How does how do you take the responsibility? How much of a responsibility? How how much how big of a deal is this for you that you're such a, a whether you want it or not, a role model for so many people? Mm-hmm. I think um, I realize the responsibility that I carry, uh, I want to say maybe about five years ago when I noticed, you know, little girls at the mosque that I used to go to were coming up to me and being like, oh my God, like, I, I love your videos. I've been watching your videos, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, now this is putting faces to just subscribers. Like I just see the number, but now I'm actually seeing the person. And if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't want to, or sorry, Thinking about them, I I don't want to be like share something that they would be negatively influenced by. And I think that's kind of when I started making the shift. Um, And I just want to give a very brief example. And this is personal to my journey and my hijab journey. Um, For a while, I was rocking the turban hijab style. Um, And that was like a huge part of my channel. And I after a while started to realize like, okay, I'm making an impact on people's hijab styles now. And I don't want to be able to impact them on a negative way. Obviously I know what's right and wrong, but I don't want them to take my content and be like, okay, but she's doing it. So it must be okay. So I had to make a decision and I decided, you know, I'm going to start wearing my hijab the proper way now. Um, because, and it wasn't only for that, obviously it was obviously a sincere, um, yeah. you know, decision for myself as well. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) I thought about it that way and that's an example. So anytime I'm doing something or if I'm in an environment, I'm always very mindful. It's not so much I'm living my life to please my audience. It's just being mindful that like people are watching my content and whether I want it or not, whether I can say, okay, but their parents need to control what they're watching or doing, whatever. At the end of the day, it still is a responsibility for me because I am influencing them. Yeah, I just want to say just for that, like I feel like I'm a bigger fan (laughs) because because I think like whether people are like it or not, like Western society, that's a different thing. But I feel like Islamically, you your influence does matter whether it's like a large audience or a small audience and like what you do if someone replicates that and it's not a good thing that you know we know islamically that you're also going to share in the sin for that and i think like you know right now everyone's like it's society is like you know i'm not a role model i'm just doing me and like sure you know, that's what some of us want. But in the grander scheme of things, that's not what the reality is. And it's like, it's a big burden um, that it that that is. And I think for you to acknowledge that, like within yourself and recognize that, I think is an amazing thing. Because I feel like, you know, a lot of people are kind of in denial about it. And no shade to anyone. <laughs> but it's just, I think even us, like, yeah. we sometimes, 
act like as though our actions don't matter but whether it's like whether we have a large audience or if we have like a really small audience it doesn't matter because even if one person does something that you did it's not good um so like just acknowledging that i think it's amazing and i feel like i don't think i've ever heard anyone say (laughs) that so (laughs) it makes me like even more admire the work that you do and kind of recognizing your role in it so i just wanted to you know yeah thank you and it wasn't like I definitely had that viewpoint at that time where I was like, okay, but this is my life. Like, like, why should I have to change because of other people, blah, blah, blah. But I just, you know, I was, I would say it was just me being naive and me, maybe even being a bit ignorant to the idea as well. Um, but when I made that decision, I also didn't want to make it a big deal um, and share my reasoning as to why on the internet. I just did it and just continued on and like people were asking questions and stuff and I just didn't think it was like something to address. I didn't think it was that important to address. Um, just because I know in my heart, like that's what's right for me. Um, but when it comes to how other women choose to dress or choose to do with their platform, like I have zero opinion on that because I've been there, you know, it's really, it's really tough to juggle an audience and also, try to live your life in the best way that you feel like you should. But at the end of the day, it's just like whatever you feel like your heart is gravitating towards, that's what you should do. Um, But regardless, I think, yeah, I do have a responsibility and I'm not going to deny that. Like Ikran said, it's it's not just about what we do to ourselves and what kind of life we want to live and how we want to live it. It's also how, you know, we're going to have to answer one day for everything that we did and all the people who followed us as a result of it. And it's a huge responsibility. I mean, we, we, have, arg- we have discussions and arguments about this all the time. Like things that we would do in, in real life, we're not going to bring to the podcast, for example, because we're mindful of the fact that someone else might listen to it and get the wrong idea and do something because we then influenced kind of in a way, even if it's just a small, small amount, we kind of influence their opinion to do so. So as long as like we kind of, as we continue, as you continue with your channel, just constantly be mindful about that. I think it's it's always a safe thing and it's always a safe bet. And it kind of, it kind of puts us in a better position when you're dealing with, you know, general strangers in public and haram police and they're coming, constantly coming for you. I can only imagine how much nonsense you've had to deal with because of them a lot of times being a black muslim woman visibly muslim woman hijabi woman them coming being in lifestyle and beauty because those are the things they love to attack and they love to come for so how do you how do you get your head around that how do you like kind of dismiss or ignore or do you not ignore um you know those strangers that come for you at the end of the day? um i think i mean just before i actually get into it i think there is a difference between criticism and like hate or just like typical head on police that are just trying to pick at you. Um, and I think it's important to read into the criticism. Maybe there is an opportunity for me to do better. Um, I don't think it's always coming from a place of hate in the beginning it can feel like that. You can be like, okay, this person's just attacking me because they're jealous or this person's just attacking me because I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but I definitely make it a point to listen first And then if it is hate, then I ignore. Um, But I honestly, like, maybe it's just because I've been doing this so long, I've learned to really just block out a lot of the nonsense. I feel like I don't get that many, like, hate comments or head-on police comments. I feel like generally my content is pretty digestible for any age. Um, And 
yeah, I feel like I honestly don't get that many haram police. Alhamdulillah, like I don't want to jinx that or whatnot. But um, yeah, I would say generally my community is a really great safe space. And I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, and I think that just has a lot to do with the dua that I make and my mother and all of that. <laughs> yeah, alhamdulillah. No, that's, that's actually beautiful. And in, honestly, like I remember... Um, also seeing your mom a lot on your channel. I remember how uncomfortable she used to be in the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just watching how much more comfortable she is now. And I can tell like she's so much more, you know, open towards it. And she's so supportive towards you. And I, and I love watching that. Has that always been the case with like friends and family? Or was it a bit of a roller Honestly, I would say my friends and family have always been extremely supportive. I actually hid my channel though for the first like two or three years from them. So the only person who really knew I was uploading was like my brother and my cousin Sara and everyone else d had no idea until it came to the point where like my uncles and aunts were coming to my parents like, oh, I watch your daughter on YouTube. And they were like, huh? <laughs> so that's kind of when I had the conversation. But um, they always thought it was cool. I don't think they ever assumed that it would become a career. Uh, so eventually, you know, they're just comfortable being online. They're just like, okay, our daughter's just doing something crazy on the internet. She just wants to do what she, like, they're kind of used to my antics. <laughs> so it was never like a difficult conversation to have with them. Um, I think maybe when I did decide to go full-time with it, that's when they started asking more questions because they didn't really realize if it was going to be a viable option in terms of a career, because I just finished four years of university you know, spent a lot of money, they were like, okay, you're not going through all of that just to be making videos on the internet and being broke and living at home, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I think, I think once they saw me like really hustling, like I didn't, I took it seriously. I, I treated it as a business even before I was making money right after I graduated. Cause I knew that that's what I wanted to do, um, with the following that I already had. Um, so I think they just, they've always trusted me and trusted me to do the right thing. Um, in all aspects of life. So yeah, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for my parents. I love them. They're always so supportive. My dad is definitely not camera shy. My mom is still a little bit camera shy, but she does it because she loves me. <laughs> but my dad loves it. He loves the <laughs> That's attention. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> No, actually, I yeah, I remember um, when you were when you were trying to get into the into it full time. I think didn't you have a conversation with your parents? And you're like, I'm gonna give it like a period yeah. of time. Like, I give it like a hundred percent, and if it doesn't work, then it yes. doesn't work. If it works, then yeah, exactly. And my dad is always like, he wanted me to get a job at like 16, so he was not about to just let me sit at home and not do anything for four months. So I just told him, I'm like, okay. Listen, I don't want to work right out of university anyways. Like I've been through enough. I need some time off. But instead of just sitting down, I'm going to put my all into YouTube. I gave him kind of like the stats. He knew at the time I had just reached 100,000 subscribers. Like I had a good following, although I didn't have kind of like the business aspect of it. I didn't I wasn't working with a lot of brands. I wasn't really making that much money. But like I said, I think he had trust that I was going to do something with my life. And if it didn't work out, I told him, I was like, okay, give me May to August or May to September. If this doesn't pop off, if nothing, if it's crickets over here, <laughs> then I'm going to start applying for jobs in August and I'll go into my corporate role. Like you'll get what you want. Um, but Alhamdulillah, like I grinded and I just continued posting consistently. I started reaching out to brands a lot more. I started working with more brands. And then once they saw that hustle, like they saw me like, not really doing much other than working. Um, they trusted that I was going to do well. And, you know, alhamdulillah, by the end of the year, I had 
pretty great opportunities lined up for me. And yeah, they just, they said, go do it, girl. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Like, I think that was like a really good compromise. You know what I mean? Like, I think instead of just telling them like, no, this is what I want to do, just deal with it. You know, you gave them something they can work with, wait for a deadline. And I think that's really cute. I think that's really nice. Alhamdulillah, it worked, all worked out. Yeah. And at the same time, um, so with my university, like my loans and stuff or my what I had to pay off, my dad actually paid that off and he expected $1,000 from me every month to pay him back, essentially. So there was actually no way I couldn't, I could just be broke at home. Like I actually had to hustle because he was like, at the end of the day, you're still paying me a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> so whichever way you need to do that, it's fine with me as long Figure as I'm out. getting my money. Yeah. So I think that kind of also, <laughs> that also made me, mm-hmm. made me uh, hustle a little bit more. So I know you, you said that, you know, you've reached out to brands and things like that. How, how, what is that? What was that process like? I know now, alhamdulillah, like things uh, I'm assuming have come a lot easier and you've come a long, uh, a long way since then. But how has it been trying to make those connections and advocating for yourself in those spaces that, you know, these brands that may not typically work with black Muslim women? Like, how has that been? Yeah. Oh, God, that was hard. Um, that was probably one of the most challenging aspects of growing my business in the beginning, because I just assumed when I hit a hundred thousand subscribers that all the brands would be flying over to me. Like I would have to pick and choose, but I hit a hundred thousand subscribers and it was crickets. Like I even went to VidCon that summer and I thought like all of these brands were going to come for me after, uh, after that, but it just, it didn't happen. And I quickly realized like you still have to put in the work, like, you know, luckily for some white influencers, even Arab influencers, like brands are more open to working with them because, you know, they're not at the time, like they diversity wasn't a key point for them and they weren't really pressured to work with more of a diverse audience. Um, so I luckily had some really great friends in Toronto that were in the influencer space. Um, a lot of them or some of them gave me contacts for brands that they were working with that I was then able to reach out to kind of give them my like, you know, elevator pitch through an email, um, send over my links for any products that I had organically shared on my channel and basically just ask at the end of the email, like if there are any paid opportunities that, you know, you're working on, please keep me in mind. And I would just continually follow up. So it wasn't just... I reach out and send my YouTube links and Instagram links. It was constantly following up and making sure that I was top of mind for a lot of their opportunities. So it was honestly like a full-time job. Every day I would wake up and spend the entire morning and afternoon reaching out to brands. Um, and I had, you know, literally elevator pitches and then would just kind of like switch up the, the, the brand names. <laughs> And like add in my links, similar how to how we apply to jobs and stuff. Um, and eventually I was able to kind of build up my roster of brands. I was able to um, get invited to a lot more events in Toronto. I would network with brands, ask them out for coffee um, and basically just do anything that I could to make sure that I was top of mind. Um, and I think that's an important, I think now it's a lot easier, um, for people in the space to start working with brands or maybe just get their attention because diversity is on the forefront of a lot of brands. They've been pressured to ensure that they're extremely diverse and inclusive with their, um, influencer campaigns, but it wasn't like that four years ago at all. 
No, I think um, honestly, Ikran is asking A for our audience, but B mostly for <laughs> <Yeah>. ourselves. <laughs> like, whoops. Because, <laughs> like, like, I think exactly because we were just realizing because we've we've been doing this podcasting thing for like yeah. four years, but it was us just doing it for fun, and then we've gone to a point where we realize, yo, we've got either full time jobs or we're, like in school full time, and if we're doing this, yeah, we love it, but we also want to make something of out of it, right? And just going through that, it's just so awkward, like, you know, getting your little prospectus thing document together, emailing brands, figuring out who to email, follow-up emails, the negotiating money, like, negotiating money, oh my god, even, because like, what they'll do is, you'll be like, oh, okay, so, like, what do you guys offer? They'll be like, what are you, what do you want? And it's like, ah, yeah. I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, like, my go-to line was, what's your budget? Like, even if they continually ask like what are your rates I just go back and say what's your budget because the last thing okay I'm (laughs) taking notes yeah like (laughs) there's nothing wrong with asking what your budget is and I I feel like as long as you ask that first before they ask you what your rates are then you're good because once they ask you for your rates it can be a little tricky because in the beginning I had no idea what to like value myself there were there were a couple like websites like um one was like social blue book uh which where you can enter like all of your info your instagram or your i don't know your reach or whatever and they'd kind of spit out a number um for like how much you you should charge but a lot of the times i felt like i deserved more so i'd kind of add an extra number onto there um and see what happens because the least the 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 worst thing that can happen is they're going to come back and be like that's too high for us let's do this instead and then you can continually negotiate with them like it is it is awkward like it's I'm not saying it's not awkward. It was very awkward in the beginning. Um, but you have to put in those steps in order to get to a place where you don't have to do those negotiates negotiations anymore. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's goals. Inshallah we reach that Inshallah. because right now it's just so ghetto. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> it's literally I know like, ghetto. I know ghetto. It's literally so because the, the funny thing is like we started off and then once we got someone to respond, we're like, oh wait, what are our we didn't think this far ahead. Wait, yeah. what do we do now? <laughs> and it's like now we have to like scramble and figure out what we're doing. But like like, inshallah, you know, we just have to keep putting in the time and the effort and hopefully, you know, something comes out of it. And it's so funny because you also mentioned that you didn't tell you didn't tell your family for a while. Literally, all of us told like most of us told our family about the podcast a few months ago. It's been like almost four years. Wow. And we haven't said anything. And like our like my siblings knew, but like my parents didn't know. And then we're like, okay, like at some point, like some auntie or some hubbada <laughs> is gonna find out and then she's gonna tell our parents and then we're just gonna be like, We should have told them sooner. Yeah. And we're like, let's get ahead of it. And then like I told my parents and then have to like now your parents are gonna tell my parents and then have to tell And it was just like and they were all like very accepting of it. Yeah. I think I don't know what we expected it to be, but it was just like very chill. Like my dad is so cute. He's like okay like send me the links I'm gonna share it with my friends Aww. I was like I don't think that's our audience <laughs> I was like, that's gonna be really awkward yeah I think that's like so wholesome though I remember my dad used to come back from work and be like oh I told I told some of the customers that came in about your channel like I gave them your card Aww. it was like so cute I'm like you really don't have to do that they're like you got one extra subscriber because of me <laughs> <laughs> that's literally so cute yeah. <laughs> um my mom was like oh okay cool <laughs> um you know there's there's better things you could do with your time but that's fine as well <laughs> send me one of the episodes and i found like the nicest most wholesome I'm like here's an episode we did last year about good nutrition during ramadan take a listen to this 
that. And I'm like, oh, by the way, like my random childhood friend joined me for that episode, so you'll love listening to her too. She's like, oh, okay, that's nice. And then like she forgot about oh it. My so God. that was oh, great. I love that. I'm sure they I'm just get bored of listening to us, even if they try to start. I'm just glad that they're so supportive and like wholesome about it. That's 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 the best thing. Also, it's so funny that at our grown ages. At our grown ages, <laughs> we still experience this. I know. <laughs> it's just so stereotypical, like, Muslimic, uh, you know, little Muslim black girl. It, like, I tell my friends all the time, you guys, you forget about living your teenhood in your 20s. I'm going to be living my teenhood in my 30s. Literally. Well, into my 30s, I'm going to be living like a teenager. Yeah. Like, I up. honestly <laughs> feel like my YouTube channel has made, like, I-, I share a lot of vulnerable stuff on there, obviously. And my mom is like notification gang. Like, she watches all the videos like as, oh, as soon as it's up. That's so cute. So, like, I had to kind of get over the embarrassment of the fact that my parents are watching my videos because I just knew it was going to happen. Like... All my aunties, my uncles, like, all of them watch my videos at this point. So it's like, I had to get over that hump of, like, oh, I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> but I think I'm it's... I'm not over it yet. I think I'm still, like, on the other side. Girl, I feel you. It's, 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 it can be, like, tough, but... I feel like it's honestly brought us closer. Like, I'm so comfortable sharing things with my parents now. And even through, like, you know, my divorce, like, I was really shamed, ashamed and, like, embarrassed about it in the beginning. But after kind of opening up with my parents with it, they were, like, I couldn't have gone through it without them. Like, they were so supportive. There was not one ounce of, like, shame or anything that came from them. So I feel like sometimes we need to give our parents a little bit more credit. Like, we think... We think of them as like, oh, they're our parents. Like, we have to respect them so much, which obviously, yes, we do. But they're still humans. Like, they were our age at one point. They went through really tough things, like, if not tougher than we have. And, like, we have to give them a little bit more credit. (laughs) And, you know, honestly, I think, especially for you, being all the way out in LA and, like, your family being in Toronto, it's also a phenomenal way for them to keep tabs on you and see how you're doing in your day-to-day and make sure you're okay, and, like, they they know, oh, my God, you know, that matcha thing is really serious out in LA. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should get on the boat, too. So I'm sure, like, for them, it's, like, seeing your face is just another way besides FaceTime, besides phone calls, besides texting for them to feel that much closer exactly. to you. So definitely, for sure, I think that's amazing. But living out in LA, you know, being your own woman, and now, like, living on your own in LA, because I think up until recently... You know, you were on your own living in LA. So how is that? How is that independence, you know, treating you? Honestly, it has been amazing, I have to say. Like, it, I think I realize how much I actually enjoy spending time on my own. I obviously love being with my family. And, you know, when I had a husband, that was great too. But I think this is the first time in my life where I'm living every aspect of my life on my own terms. And it's a really like empowering and like beautiful experience. Um, being able to, you know, afford, first of all, like a two bedroom home in LA, like thinking back to five years ago, like I, that wasn't even like that didn't, that never even crossed my mind. And there was a lot of talks of like whether I was going to move back to Toronto or stay here. But I think the way I thought about it, like I closed that chapter of my life when I left Toronto. And I came here to build a new life. And although it's not the life that I thought I was going to be building, now I have an opportunity and a chance to create something even more beautiful um, and on my own. And I've always been a very independent person. So I think that also helps. Um, I have lived 
sort of on my own before. Like, you know, when I was in university, I did have roommates. I lived in France for a period of time as well. So I think I'm used to it, but I think like I've really grown into my space here and I just, I love everything about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, side comment, the way the visa situation worked out for you. <laughs> I need to give that subhanAllah. Like, yeah. it's, it's a, such a stressful situation too because I'm sure that would have made the decision of staying in LA versus going back yeah. to Toronto a lot harder if you didn't have that all sorted well, out. Well, actually, I didn't really have that all sorted out. So let's oh. explain that real okay. quick. I, I came here on a work visa. Um, it's called like an O1 visa. It's like for artists. Um, a lot of, yeah, just a lot of artists and stuff usually get it to move to the US. That was valid for about three years. So I'm actually in the process of renewing that right now because the green card process obviously fell through. Um, so I am kind of going through that, but alhamdulillah, I'm in a much better position than I am now than I was back when I was first getting my visa. You know, my following has grown a lot more. Um, and there's a lot more that I can do with, uh, you know, my, legal situation here now so it's not completely all figured out yet but alhamdulillah it will be by the time it needs to be so <laughs> yeah inshallah, inshallah. oh my god three years has it been three well years? no it has it oh, hasn't I... been three years but it is it's valid for three years it just i didn't move right away okay. it was just like yeah a lot of like logistical yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff to do with that but yeah yeah it's been almost two okay. years since i moved here yeah time flies it really does <laughs> Other thing I wanted to talk a little bit more about, and it's kind of been playing on my mind, even though you've made that transition from like, um, you know, just straight up videos about like looks and like products and whatnot to more like lifestyle, vlogging and all of that. What's your current like creative uh, content process like? Like when you're when you're thinking about how to make that balance between producing something that you know that you're interested in that you maybe need to make or uh, you know, a sponsorship that you've received that you need to put out there versus what you know that your audience wants to see and what they're interested in? Um, honestly, I get a lot of my ideas, firstly, by watching YouTubers. I 100% am a consumer of YouTube myself. I'm always, I don't even really watch TV. All I watch is YouTube. So I get a lot of my inspiration from that. I take note of a lot of the trends. Um, you know, if it's summer, I'll cater my content towards summer, whether it's like a summer morning routine or whatnot, you know, winter, same thing. Um, but I, I get a lot of my, uh, ideas also from my audience and kind of what they want to see. I realize like, um, looking even at my analytics, uh, beauty kind of has trailed off on my channel. Like people don't really enjoy, they enjoy me sharing products and, and like, um, what's it called? Info on skincare and all that kind of stuff. But they don't want to just see a makeup tutorial of me talking. They want to see more. They want to see an integration. Maybe it's like I'm using a foundation, but it's within a vlog and people just enjoy my lifestyle content a lot more. So, um, anytime I'm thinking of a concept to do, it's always with lifestyle in mind. Like how can I integrate this concept into a vlog or how can I make this beauty tutorial more conversational so that they're getting more than just makeup, you know? So I think it's a little bit of everything, but of course there's times where like I have a creative concept that I really want to do, um, whether it's, I don't know, like a cooking video or something like that. Like I've incorporated a lot more cooking into my channel because that's a passion that I've had way before I even started my YouTube channel. So I think just being able to experiment and try my hardest not to get burnt out, that's when I really take a break. Like if I'm feeling like I'm just pushing out content because I don't know, people want to see content, that's kind of when I, I know I need to take a break. Um, but what's great is I do, alhamdulillah, work with a lot of sponsors. Um, 
And they usually give me a lot of creative control on how to integrate that video. So if it's a skincare video, I might integrate that into a morning routine that I was already going to do. Um, because there's always videos that I know I'm going to do, but it's just now, okay, how does the sponsor kind of work into that? And I think that's where a lot of confusion comes. People just see like, oh, this video is sponsored, which means you know, she's just getting paid to make this entire video. She doesn't actually want to make this video, but it's like, no, I'm, it's actually the same content that you would normally get differences. I'm actually getting paid for it now. Um, because I think also there's a huge misconception that I make a lot of money off of just my YouTube videos. And that's not true. I don't make a lot of money off of just my YouTube videos. It's like, it's barely even, you know, a livable salary for the year. Um, especially when it, when you factor in like the fact that I have an editing team and all of that, um, so I really do count on the sponsors to support my channel and just kind of make sure that regardless of sponsored or unsponsored content, people are getting something that they will enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you go well out of your way to clarify that the, the products that you're using or whatever it is that you're using is, you know, sponsored or that you've received it for whatever X, Y reason. So I think that's, that's a very clear, or you say this portion of the video is sponsored. So I think that's very clear for whoever's watching in general, but you mentioned that you have, you, you have like YouTubers that you get like inspiration from. Who are some of your favorite YouTubers to watch? Cause I'm taking notes. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> clearly the queen, Jackie Ina. I love her. Um, Jackie, 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 Jackie. Recently I've been really, yeah, <laughs> she's great. She's great. Even <laughs> online and offline. She's amazing. Um, but I have recently been really into this YouTube couple, Julia, um, Julia and Hunter. I think, I think her YouTube channel is just Julia Havens or something, but she's kind of like a lifestyle creator. She does a lot of like home content, beauty content, lifestyle. um, And it's just really interesting to me. Who else do I watch? I obviously watch Shaht because she's my friend and I love the way she edits her videos as well. I love that she's doing Ronaldo yeah, videos Yeah, I know, now. me too. Like, I'm so hey. proud of her. Um, I really enjoy Claudia Saluski. She's someone who I started watching before I started making videos. And sh- the way she creates her content, like, I truly try to just watch people that inspire me and that'll inspire me to, like, be creative with my content, not just, like, sitting down and making a video and not having cool edits and stuff like that. So she's someone I really look to when it comes to like YouTube inspiration, I I need to look at my subscription box because I'm like, who else do I watch? Sometimes I just watch whatever's on my recommended page and I don't really like actually realize who they are. But there's this one black YouTuber that I love watching. She makes a lot of like fashion content. I'm forgetting her name though, but we're just going to leave it at that (laughs) because I'm I'm, like forgetting her name. (laughs) Oh, if you remember yeah, this song, we'll, we'll plug her into the description. I or will. Something. She's so great. So, like, actually, I have a question. So, I know we're probably going to wrap up soon, but I know this is now your job, right? And it's like a great life and it's like really fun, but work is work and people usually hate work. So, like, how much of work, like, do you ever get overwhelmed by how, by how much work you're doing? Like, do you ever reach a point where you just kind of, like, don't like it anymore? Or do you just kind of take a step back when that happens? Like, what is your relationship with your current job, which is, you know, being a lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, it it gets stressful uh, because especially I feel like the more you grow, the more opportunities clearly that you're going to get. Um, so I think it's like finding a balance between... How many opportunities do I want to take on? How many sponsorships do I want to take on? And how much am I going to say no to, even if it is a great opportunity? So I think like that 
part of it can be kind of difficult. Like it's a conversation that I actually had to sit down and talk with my management team about because I was like, you know, it's really great getting all of these skincare deals, but I have one face and there's only so much I can do, you know? So it's like, I do, I don't think people realize, like I say no to a lot, a lot of sponsorships and potentially a lot of money because I just don't feel like it's authentic to continually share different stuff. Um, so it's like the ones that I actually am sharing, I want people to realize like, these are things that I have a policy, like with all my content and my managers know this as well. Like I want to be able to test a product for a minimum of two weeks before agreeing to a sponsorship. So like, it really is a long process. Um, but I think like, you know, I just recently took on a new assistant, um, to kind of help with all of that, because I think one thing people realize is like, it's okay to get help. Um, it doesn't mean that you're less of a YouTuber or you're less of a content creator because you have an editor or you have an assistant or whatever. Like there's just no way that I could possibly edit all my videos, answer all my emails, create the content, like all of that, and still be as consistent as I am online. So I, in the last two years, have really kind of scaled out my team. Um, I did get a manager before I was kind of doing it all myself. Um, I have a photographer that I work with um, and also a full-time, or not a full-time, but an editor as well who edits majority of my content. I probably edit about one to two videos a month. (laughs) So, you know, that takes a lot of it out. But I think when I am feeling burnt out, I honestly just take a break. Um, In the past, like... I feel like six months or so, I've really given myself the weekends to not do as much. So I might not be as active on my Instagram just because I'm taking time for myself. And I think that's really important. Like I do kind of have to treat it as a job because before I was working like 12 plus hour days and sleeping at very early hours of the night, um, you know, to try to get it all done. Yeah, I think that's part of like especially when you're starting off with a business and you want it to grow and to like explode and for people like for it to succeed you're kind of in that hustle mode like I need to do I need to be working every day 12 hours a day 18 hours a day all all, seven days a week no weekends what are those holidays what are those so you're kind of like in that constant grind mode whereas like once you do attain or achieve some of that success it's difficult to kind of like wind back and like step back but um and I think like also with YouTube it's a whole other added stress because you kind of can't like stop like putting out content because then you lose your audience and people stop watching and like you're not getting you're not being consistent because I think the biggest thing they say about YouTube is consistency is key keep producing content blah 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 so you're stuck in that crazy like zone of like having to produce things constantly and on Instagram and release things on Instagram as well and um I just also wanted to point out that you always like I think from a while you've been talking about how like you have like um you know somebody who edits like an editor who edits your content and everything and I remember on uh Clubhouse I think you're on a Clubhouse as well Aisha uh there was the people for a while they were like there's so many really interesting rooms with YouTubers and like creators and all this stuff and people could just listen to them talk about like everyday regular conversations and then like a lot of YouTubers were opening up about how they haven't been editing for like years, you know, and like they outsource their stuff sometimes not even to people who are like local, but they'll outsource it to like on um, what are those apps like Fiverr and those apps where like they'll send it out to like somebody in like Bangladesh or like China or India to like edit their video and to quickly put it together and, and post it. And like, they're like, this is my style, make something similar and they'll do it. And so many people were so shocked. I don't know why we're all shocked, but so many people were so shocked because they're like, wait, you're not editing your, your content. 
Of course not. Who has the time and energy to to edit everything? It's like so, it's like so much, especially if you're if you're releasing content like four or five times a week. It's like impossible to record, film, edit on top of socials, emails, everything. So yeah, it's like it's not it's not surprising at all. It's expected. But what I wanted to ask was. Do you ever take a holiday? Because you seem high key like a, like a workaholic. <laughs> I am. I will one hundred percent admit I am a workaholic. I think I get that from my dad. Like he's I've I've grown up just watching him work like two jobs, like always working. But he genuinely enjoys that life, and I think I kind of fell into that as well. I think I feel the most um, fulfilled and productive when I am working um, because it's something that I like grew up with essentially and was, you know, blessed enough to be able to take full time. So yes, I am a workaholic, but I have, you know what, in the last, I want to say year or so, I have taken my breaks and I have kind of like gone on like my little mini vacations. I don't always share them anymore. I think before I always felt the need and the pressure to vlog every single trip that I'm on or tell people that I'm taking a break and all of that. And I don't think that's necessary. Like I will, I've gone on a couple trips this year where I have been very quiet about it. I don't really post much about it. And it's just kind of something for myself and it feels good. Like it feels good to not have the pressure to always have my vlogging camera on me and always document everything. Um, it can put a strain on your mental health, but also your friendships. Like if you're always just carrying around a camera. So um, yeah, I definitely do take my breaks. Um, but I won't shy away from the fact that I definitely am a workaholic as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad yeah. to hear it. I think like, I think I'll constantly at this point with the way everything is working, I kind of see you as like a sister like, just watching you on YouTube. <laughs> so I'm really glad to hear that you're taking care yeah. of yourself and that you are taking the breaks that you need. Because even though as much as anybody loves yeah. their job, like burnout and exhaustion and the toll that it takes on our physical health is so yeah. real. So like being able to, you know, recognize when that time is needed is just so yeah, important. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Aisha, for joining of us today. Course. It was actually such a cute talk and so wholesome. I know. Adorable. I felt like I was just catching up with some friends. This was really nice. Literally, this was so wholesome. <laughs> it was so much fun yeah. talking to you. Wow. Like, I'm actually such a huge fan. So this Aww. was such a, like, great fangirl moment. This was Thank amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It really was. You're always afraid of, like, you know, actually talking to the people you see on yeah. TV. And, like, if they're going to disappoint you. But oh, not disappoint I'm them. I was just about to ask you guys. I'm like, okay, I just want to know, like, do you feel like I am the same on YouTube as I am conversating with I you guys? I think <laughs> you are. Okay. I actually, like, I literally told you, I think I'm leaving this, like, even more of a fan Aww. than I was coming into this. <laughs> I love you guys. This Literally. Was so great. I'm no, so glad. This was so fun. Thank you 100%. so much for like, you know, agreeing to do this with us. You know, like it means a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No, and I'm sure a lot of our audience, uh, our audience is 100% overlap. <laughs> so I know a lot of them are going to really appreciate this interview. Yes. And they're going to have so much fun listening to it. Uh, thank you so much. And just to wrap up, to everybody who's listening to this episode. Um, it was a really fun one. It was a really great one uh, interviewing Aisha Harun for um, us for it today. Um, as always, if you want to share a comment, uh, message us, add us about anything that we've discussed today, feel free to add us on or, or DM us on Twitter and Instagram at Abwan Podcast um, or to send us an email at abwanchronicles at gmail.com. Um, and if you'd like to, you know, speak a little bit more anonymously, uh, you could always send us a message on Curious Cat, which is curiouscat.me forward slash Abwan Podcast. Once again, thank you so much to everybody for listening in. And you can check out Aisha Haroon's YouTube channel. 
on YouTube. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> if you haven't already. If you haven't already. If you haven't. I mean, I'm sure everyone already has, you know, like you can check her out on YouTube <laughs> and Instagram and Twitter. Thank and you, thank you. And TikTok. <laughs> and TikTok. And TikTok. Wait, is there, is there a TikTok? Aisha Harun It's Aisha well. underscore Harun. Someone stole my name, unfortunately. <laughs> Yo, someone stole the podcast's name too. No way. <laughs> yeah, How it's mean. so weird. Like, like our podcast is a one much. podcast. Why would you call your literally? <laughs> it's just me. But well, <laughs> and it was just this random white guy. So it doesn't oh it God. doesn't add up. But we'll have all the links to your uh, different social media in the description, so you can everyone can check that out. Um, if you don't have if you don't know where that is already. Thank and you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Sorry, come everyone. <laughs>